Good morning. Scripture reading this morning will come from the book of Romans, chapter 8, verses 35 through 37. Romans chapter 8, 35 through 37. Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Or tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword? Just as it is written, for your sake we are being put to death all day long. We were considered as sheep to be slaughtered. But in all these things we overwhelmingly conquer through him who loved us. Appreciate uh, Brother David singing songs that go along with our lesson. Um, we have our song leaders here that work very diligently to try to sing songs. Sometimes I give them a title that's pretty challenging, but they will do their best to sing songs that would relate to what we're going to be talking about to prepare our minds for that, and I appreciate that very much. Again, it's wonderful to see all of you. Brethren, we're having more and more people coming back, and, and I appreciate that. I want you to know, brethren, that for some of y'all, this has not been an easy decision. I understand that. And, and for some of you, quite frankly, you've decided just to kind of go ahead and give your, give, have faith in God and ask him to protect you, and, and there's nothing wrong with that either. So we appreciate everyone that's here this morning. Again, appreciate those of you who's joined us on social media, and our prayer, of course, is that you will be able to be back with us uh, in the Lord's Assembly soon as well. Uh, brother, I want to talk to um, what I believe, you know, because the Bible has, speaks about everything that's going on in our society. In fact, in fact, we get to thinking that we live in some kind of a bubble sometime, and this is the first thing that, that the, the things we're going through, you know, is that it's happened in this whole world, and that's sure, and certainly not true. And, and God deals with these things, and I want to talk about the fact that history is in God's hands, and this is from the book of Habakkuk. That's what we're going to be talking about, a, a study from Habakkuk today. Um, and, um, and so looking at that, Habakkuk is, is called in <coughs> the uh, canon of the Bible a minor prophet. Not that there's anything minor <coughs> about his message at all. I got close to hell and I'm coughing, I'm sorry. Not that there's anything minor about the message of God's word at all, but that the, the, usually the shorter prophecies were called minor prophets. Um, but brothers and sisters, he, he gives a very powerful message, and, uh, and he grapples with vital issues of his day, of his time, that, that many are, are grappling with today, at least in a similar manner, maybe not the exact same way, but in similar manners that we can relate to this morning. Habakkuk means embracer, the, and he embraces, he wrestles with problems much like those we face today. Uh, as you've heard the old expression, there's nothing new under the sun, and that is my fault. Swallow at the same time. My mama says I can't walk and chew gum at the same time, so doing those two things probably got a danger. <coughs> but, beloved, he lived in a time where everything nationally and internationally was going wrong. I mean, just one thing after another. It was a world that was filled with extreme violence and hatred and evil. And slavery, of course, in that day was a common thing. And so 
in his despair. And on top of that, brethren, God, him being a prophet of God, and I'm certainly not a prophet or a son of a prophet, but he was. And so God told him and had been telling him for some time what he was going to do to the nation of Judah because of their sinfulness and their refusal to repent of that sin after several hundred years of trying to get them to do so. And so he had a first-hand, a front-row seat, as it were. And so he cries out to God in chapters 1, verses 1 through 4. And, and, um, and maybe you all can understand this, okay? The, the oracle uh, which Habakkuk the prophet saw, how long, O Lord, will I call for help and you will not hear? You, you feel that way sometimes, beloved. Have you feel like you're praying and praying and praying and God's just not answering your prayers? And Habakkuk's at this point in his life. He says, I cry out to you, violence. He's talking about what's going on in society. Yet you do not save. Why do you not see iniquity? Why, why do you make me see iniquity and cause me to look on wickedness? Uh, yes, destruction and violence are before us. Strife exists and contention arises. Therefore, the law is ignored and justice is never upheld. For the wicked surround the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. Now, does that sound familiar, brethren? Can, can you look at some of the things in that verse and, and, and apply them to what's going on in our day and age? You know, it's frustrating, isn't it, beloved, to see things in our nation, even in the church, that we know is wrong and evil? Attitudes that, that we know are against God, uh, complacency, you know, in our lives, uh, a worldly thought that we have sometime in the Lord's church, all these things going on. And we pray for and we hope for change, but as Habakkuk boldly says to God, and nothing seems to happen. It seems like God's just ignoring everything, and <clears throat> the only thing that's taking place is it seems to be getting worse. And so it's hard to go on. So God's going to answer him. God's going to answer him in verses 5 through 11. Now, before we get that, let me tell you a little bit of background, brethren, okay? Um, because uh, God is sending, and he's told Habakkuk this, and he's told Israel and Judah both this. He is sending the Chaldeans, which we know today as the Babylonian Empire. He's going to send them in to enslave his people and take them away from their homeland to a foreign country, and they're going to die there, most of them as slaves. The Babylonian Empire was a very evil people. They were very ruthless. They, had not, they did not worship the one true God. They were idolaters, and a lot of their idolatry led them into horrible things. And so Judah had forsaken God. They themselves had gone off into idolatry. idolatry. God had sent prophets to warn them of the disaster that was coming if they did not repent. He made it plain to them what he was going to do. Prophet after prophet, they refused to repent. In fact, they went deeper and deeper into the sin that God was trying to get them to come out of. So after much warning and after much opportunity for them to repent, and they refuse, God gives them over to King Nebuchadnezzar. And so they come in. Judah is burned, left desolate. They take off anybody that could be useful as a slave in their, in their home country, and then they would kill most of those folk that were, quote, not considered useful uh, to them in any way and, and just left a very small group of survivors behind, mostly those who could escape and hide. God's unrepentant 
people, an entire nation, is taken into foreign captivity and enslaved. And you say, well, Brother Green, I ain't got nothing to worry about. As long as I remain faithful to God, I'm fine. No, brethren, the faithful remnant that stayed with God all this time, people like Daniel and Meshach and Shadrach and Abednego were also taken into that captivity. And so this is what you have, and this is what God's going to do. Habakkuk knows this. Habakkuk knows the severity of this. He knows that people are going to be tortured. He knows that people are going to be violated in every way possible. He knows that people are going to die. Some of them a cruel, agonizing death. He knows God's people, Judah, his people, are going to be enslaved for many years in a foreign country. And so God answers him by saying this. Look among the nations. Observe. Be astonished. Wonder, because I am doing something in your days. Habakkuk said, God, we're, we're not even answering our prayer. You're standing by and watching this. You're not doing anything. And God said, no, 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 no. You only think that way in your human condition. God says, you would not believe it if you were told. Well, and I think that's the way. God Almighty in his wisdom and power and might, he don't have to tell us and inform us of everything he's got in mind to do. You wouldn't believe it if you were told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, that, force, that fierce and impetuous people who, um, who march throughout the earth to seize dwelling places which are not theirs. They are dreadfooted and feared and their justice and authority originate with themselves, meaning nobody else. Their horses are swifter than leopards and wolves in the evening. Their horsemen come galloping. Their horsemen come from afar. They fly like an eagle swooping down to devour. All of them come for violence. Their horde of, of, of faces moves forward. They collect captives like sand. They mock at kings, and rulers are a laughing matter to them. They laugh at every fortress and heap up rubble to capture it. Then they will sweep through like the wind and pass on, but they will be held guilty, they whose strength is their God. God says, this is the way it's going to be, and this is what's going to happen to Judah. And he paints it in very descriptive terminology. A very powerful army going to come in there, sweep you away, ain't a thing you can do about it because it's ordained by God himself. So, so God is not just standing by and doing anything. He's right in the thick of it, brothers and sisters. And so then this is not the answer that Habakkuk wanted. Maybe some of us today are praying about specific things going on in our society and maybe in the church today, and we're not getting the answer that we think God should give us, right? We're not hearing what we want to hear. Maybe God's got other plans, brothers and sisters. And, and, and let me ask you just kind of a, a very difficult question. But when it comes to us or God, who's the wiser one? Okay, thank you. I hope we get that cleared up. He knows what he's doing. And so, brethren, God answers the praise prophet. He answers his man who is so faithful to him. And he, and he says, I am using the events of the day to chastise my people because of their refusal to sin. And so... His goal is to bring them to repentance. And brothers and sisters, he's been patient for a few hundred years in trying to do that. So because of their refusal to repent, because of their refusal to be God's people and do what he has told them to do, then it's time. Now it's time to crack the whip. This didn't happen overnight. 
But it is happening now. And isn't it a shame? And you see this throughout the Bible, and you can see it in our history today, that it takes dire events to bring a stubborn sin to people to repentance. It's a shame it's that way, but it is, and it's human nature, and it's always been that way. But God is not inactive, as many people are supposing. Beloved, during a crisis, a national catastrophe, many ask, where is God? This is what Habakkuk was saying. He, he must not be paying attention. He has forsaken us. But God's reply is, no, 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 no. You don't understand in your human condition. I'm right in the thick of it. There are cases where in this, act, in, in this case and others in the Bible where God says, not only am I in the thick of it, I'm causing it. I brought it about. I have a plan. And I'm going to use that plan for my glory and for the good of my people. So, brethren, the instruction of Habakkuk today is given in four steps. If you want to just jot these down and study them, we're going to go through them quickly and then get into the outline, okay? Number one, he says to Habakkuk, you stop and think. Don't react in a rash manner. That's what we usually do in a crisis, you know. Oh, boy, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, you know. All that kind of stuff. No, 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 no. You just stop and think. Okay, don't allow panic to grip you or fear to overcome you. Secondly, he said, you remind yourself of what you know about God. That's what we got to do, brothers and sisters. We need to remind ourselves about his nature, his character, his promises, his strength, his wisdom. You see, many can't do that because they don't know God. You've got to study to know him, the Bible says. And you need to do that before a crisis strikes so that when it does, your roots will be deep in Christ. And then he says, thirdly, take what you know about God and use that in, in overcoming your problem. Brothers and sisters, our focus in a crisis is wrong, isn't it? We take our focus off God. This is what Habakkuk is being told to do, we, uh, to, to, to redo, to put his focus back on God. We take our focus off God. We look at the problem. We look at, we look at <clears throat> what's being said. You know, we look at Fox and News and CNN and all these commentaries and all this other stuff. And God said, refocus on me. And then he says, finally, leave it with God. Have faith. God's doing this. So you trust him to do what is right and good. Let's flesh that out a little bit, okay? Number one, he says, reflect on God this morning. Habakkuk reminds himself about God's character. You know what he says in verse 12 of chapter 1? You are from everlasting, O Lord, meaning you, you've always been here, right? He's existed forever. Now, that I'll tell you a lot about God. You are from everlasting, O God, my God, my Holy One. We will not die. You, O Lord, have appointed them to judge, and you, O Rock, have established them to correct. Talking about the Babylonian Empire. Okay? So he reminds himself. Brothers and <laughs> sisters, <coughs> Habakkuk is reminded of God's greatness, of his everlasting nature, of his working in history. And, and God has been working from Eden, and he's going to work from Eden to end time to the end of this world. That means today as well. And we need to be reminded that God's going to prevail. Amen? God's will will be done. God is holy, as Habakkuk said, and he will not allow evil to finally conquer. So you see in chapters 2 and 3, Habakkuk is taught that it is not his job to fix the nation. How many of us think that? 
It's not our job to fix the nation. Now, if we do what God tells us to do in carrying out the Great Commission, it's going to fix a lot of things, brethren. But that's not our job. And it's not Habakkuk's job. We love our country. And we don't want to see her going in the direction she's going in in many ways. But it's not our job to fix the nation, brothers and sisters. It's our job to do God's will. God is going to do this in his time. God's going to do that. Our job is to keep the faith and, and inspire it in other people. Our job is to carry out the Great Commission. Our job is to proclaim God's message and to lead others to Jesus Christ. And anything we try to do in replacement of that is going to fail. Can we understand that, brethren? That's the church's mission. Lead the lost to Jesus. Number two, understand God's ways are not ours. Habakkuk's having a tough time with this. See, we think God is supposed to think like us, right? And react as we do. And uh, verses 5 and 6 of chapter 1. God says, you look among the nations, you observe, be astonished, wonder, because I am doing something in you in your days. You would not believe it if you were told. For behold, I'm raising up the Chaldeans, this fierce and impetuous people. And he goes on to describe them in very vivid terms. Brothers and sisters, <clears throat> this is God's answer to Habakkuk when he says, God, what's going on? God said, I'm going to tell you what's going on. You won't believe it, but this is what's going on. He said, I'm going to bring up another nation. I've raised them up to destroy my nation and take them into captivity. Habakkuk complains, and this is his complaint, beloved, and this is what many people today probably don't understand. Habakkuk complains that his own nation is going to be destroyed for its wrongdoing by a nation that is far more wicked than Judah. Doesn't that seem wrong? Isn't that, couldn't we even say that's hypocritical? God, you say you're going to destroy us because of our sinfulness, because of our idolatry, because of everything we're doing wrong, and I refuse to repent. And you have a nation that doesn't even believe in you. They worship several false gods. They are absolutely a wicked, most evil people probably on the face of the earth, and you're going to use them to chastise us. He could not understand how a just and holy God who, as he says, in verse 13, whose eyes are too pure to approve of evil, would use evil to chastise evil. Well, that's difficult to accept, isn't it? Hebrews 12, 11 reminds us that all discipline for the moment seems not to be joyful but sorrowful. And even proper discipline is painful, brethren, but it's easier to bear if you know the disciplinarian is in the right and, and has the proper motives, right? Uh, you know, my daddy used to wear us out sometime, you know. Um, <laughs> beloved, this is a little bit off the point, but I think we need to bring back some good old-fashioned butt whoopings today. Uh, <clears throat> but he, he believed in doing that, you know. And one of the things that made it easier to bear is because we knew that most of the time daddy was right. 
and we were wrong, and he was doing it for our good. Now, they was once or twice, Daddy being a human being would make a mistake, and he'd spank the wrong young man. And, oh, we could build a case for that, right? I am innocent, and my daddy whooped the innocent person. And, and Habakkuk's going through this. God, we've been doing wrong, and yet you're going to do pe- you somebody far more evil. Well, God can do that, brothers and sisters. You know what? It's extremely difficult except from someone far more wicked than you, isn't it? Isn't that hard to do? You ever been on a job and you're under a boss man who expects certain things out of you and he's ten times worse than you are doing those things? You know, to be chastised by someone who is much more deeply involved in the same sin that you're in, why, that's just wrong. It's unjust. We could even say it's hypocritical. So for a greater evil to chastise a lesser evil seems unjust to us in our human condition. But brothers and sisters, as God is quick to remind us, his ways are not our ways. God reassures the prophet, though, that the Chaldeans are simply his willing tool of discipline. God never works uh, outside of someone's willingness. They're evil. They're certainly willing to do this. And so God's going to use them as his tool And he reminds Habakkuk in chapter 2 that they in turn will be destroyed completely for their evil. And if you study history, that took place by Alexander the Great in 330 B.C. Entirely destroyed them. Number three, God remains in control. Brethren, this is what we've got to remember, okay? Chapter 2, verse 20. Here's the key verse, okay? He says to to Habakkuk, brethren, not in the times of peace and harmony and when things are going great and everything's wonderful in everybody's life. He said, no, no, no. Habakkuk, this is what you need to understand in all of this. The Lord is in his holy temple. Let all the earth be silent before him. Oh, brethren, that context is not a song we have played right before worship. And that's good. I'm not against that. But this was stated as the Babylonians were on their way to destroy the nation. And what does he say to try to help Habakkuk? The Lord's in his holy temple. He's there. What does the earth need to do? Sit down and shut up. No, that's not exactly. But isn't that what it? Let all the earth be silent before him. God says, quit your activity, quit your running around, quit your panicking, quit all that you're doing and just be still. Be silent. Listen to me. He says in Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. Sometime in all of our activity and our panic and our everything going on, we forget that, brothers and sisters. God has, God has freed his uh, people from 400 years of Egyptian slavery and they're on their way and to the promised land and Pharaoh changes his mind and says my whole economy's gone so he sends a powerful army out to go get them and these are unarmed people on foot running they come up against a sea you can't get around a sea and the, and the army bearing down on them from the other side and they're screaming and hollering and saying we should have just died in Egypt and Moses God says through Moses, be still, be silent, and watch me. I'm going to fight your battle for you, and I'm going to show you salvation today, and we know the rest of the story. Brothers and sisters, this is what he's saying to Habakkuk in his panic, in his crisis, knowing that his country is going to be utterly destroyed. 
he says, is what you do. You understand, God's still where he needs to be. He's in his holy temple. So you let the earth be silent before him. Calm down. Be still. Give it to God. Stay in his will. That's what we've got to do. Brothers and sisters, that's the key verse in all of this book. God remains in charge. There's never been a time when he hasn't been. He has a good grip on history. He has not forsaken his people. In fact, he's in control of what goes on in this earth. Many instances, he is the cause of what is happening, and that's up to God to know. Again, I'm not a prophet. But he has a plan and a purpose, and he is working that plan for his glory and for our good, as Romans 8, 28. Brothers and sisters, there's no such thing as historical happenstance. There's no such thing as love if you believe in God. There's no coincidence. Things don't just happen. There's a reason. And we may not understand like Habakkuk, who God told him what's happening, he's still confused. We may not understand what's taking place, and certainly not why. But we can know and be assured that in spite of the evil that surrounds us in this world today, even when, as chapter 1, verse says, the wicked surround the righteous, the creator of all is still on his throne. He's still in his holy temple. He still rules supreme. The Lord of lords and king of kings remains on his throne and so it says, <clears throat> therefore, let all the earth be silent before him. And then lastly, this morning he said, trust God, have faith. Chapter 3, verse 1, if you look at that, it says, um, it uses a, a Hebrew word. Chapter 3, verse 1, a prayer of Habakkuk, the prophet, according to Shagonoth. Shagonoth. You can say that fast ten times. That's Hebrew, and it's a highly emotional, poetic form. We would describe that today as a fervent prayer. Not an I hear, I now lay me down to sleep. God. This is a fervent prayer. And after learning of God's plan to send the Chaldean army against Judah and enslave them, Habakkuk's initial reaction is in verse 16 of chapter 3 he heard God told him what he was going to do I heard and my inward parts trembled it, literally brethren we would say I got sick to my stomach at the sound my lips quivered decay enters my bones <clears throat> and in my place I trembled because I must wait quietly you know why he's got to wait quietly God told him I'm in my holy temple. You be silent before me. I must wait quietly for the day of distress, for the people to arise who will invade us. Isn't that a horrible thing to know, brothers and sisters? You can see something coming. It's like standing in a dry riverbed, and you see a, 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 a massive wall 
of raging water just speeding towards you, and it's just destroying everything in its path. And all you can do is stand trembling and maybe praying as it overtakes you with tremendous force, you know? It's like standing on a hillside out in the country and looking, and, and there's two trains coming towards each other on the same track, and you can see that they're going to come up to a hill, and they're going to just have a collision and head on, and it's going to be horrible, and there's nothing in the world you can do. And you feel so helpless. This is where Habakkuk is. He knew the Chaldean army was coming. He knew it. He knew Judah was going to be overtaken and destroyed and tortured and killed and his fellow citizens murdered and then taken into captivity, those that were not murdered. And all he could do was watch. Can't do anything. God said, you be still. You be quiet. He knows it's coming. To know there's a great <clears throat> crisis coming and realize there's nothing you can do to stop it, it leaves us feeling like Habakkuk, like we're utterly helpless. And brethren, at a time like this, what do you do? A lot of people despair. Others lose hope. Or others give up. Others give in to the evil. Others become angry with God. Other people leave God or his church. You know, I don't like the way things are going, so I'm just going to pull away and then get in my own little cocoon. And that's not what we are to do. Chapter 3, verses 17 through 19 should be the Christian's refrain. And this is what Habakkuk comes to the conclusion. He says, I know it's coming. I know it's going to be horrible. It's going to be that tsunami. It's going to be that train wreck. But he says, though the fig should not bloom or blossom, and there be no fruit in the vine. Though the yield of the violets should fail, and the fields produce no food. Though the flock should be cut off from the fold, and there be no cattle in the stalls. He's talking about a starvation situation. Not amongst a few people, but among a whole nation. Yet, I will exult in the Lord. Yet, in spite of that, I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he has made my feet like hind feet and make me walk and makes me walk on high places. Brethren, we've got to look at it that way, right? The bottom line, when the going gets tough, you do God's will. The righteous shall live by faith, Habakkuk says in 2 verse 4. We've got to trust God. We've got to trust his word. His promises, his faithful <clears throat> will prevail, will be victorious. So what do we do in the meantime? We do what God tells us to do, brethren. That doesn't change. That doesn't change whether it's good time or crisis. We continue to walk in God's will and to do his will. If you're in a crisis and you see it coming, you feel helpless to stop it, what do you do? You do like Habakkuk. You take comfort in the Lord. You put your focus on God. You be silent before him. You trust God. Him, because he is not idle. History is in God's hand, and he is in his holy temple. He's on his throne, and you can continue to rejoice in him. Beloved, if you're not a Christian, you don't have that assurance. You don't. You need it. We need Christ. We'd be, be more than happy to show you from God's word how to get in Christ how to become a child of God because he's in control while we stand and sing.